There it is. <laughs> I really like that sound effect. But uh, today we are back again with my stunt double, my twin, Tom. Male version. And he, uh, just so that he can, hey, your mic was muted. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so he could talk uh, today about contracting because a lot of people have all these questions about it and they're wondering about it. And, uh, you know, what if is it worth it? What's happening? Uh, he actually has some really craziness, uh, crazy stories because he actually was um, contracting, rolled out there, and then COVID happened, and he was actually like trapped over in Afghanistan for a while. But he'll he'll talk about that. But uh, George is here. Yeah, what up? What up? Good go. So and now here's Tom. So uh, you guys know him. Uh, I guess introduce yourself again. My name is Thomas. I'm uh, Wes's twin brother, and I. You're in the Marines. You did your thing, and. Uh, that's where you actually got your experience, right? Uh, yes, yes, and no. You're the one thing that people believe wholeheartedly for some reason is that for you to contract, you had to have been in the military, and that's not true. You can pretty much just apply. It's like a, any other job. The issues that it's hard to get in or get noticed. I mean, not so much anymore. I'm I'm not sure, but it used to be that way because. Uh, when I first contracted, I was in the Marine Corps from 1999 to 2003 after they declared the war over in Iraq and it went from Operation Iraqi Freedom to Operation Enduring Freedom, which is what everybody else knows from 2003 on, was that, that there were contracting jobs. And we had them, which I didn't even realize because for those of you that are in the service now, you see contractors all the time, especially when you went to Afghanistan and Iraq. They were there. They were like the predominant people. But when I was in, you never really saw contractors. That wasn't a thing. So I didn't even think about it. I got out. I moved to Vegas and then uh, ended up coming back to Oregon. Well, I was applying for a job. And this is kind of the a weird scenario. I was dating this lady at the time. And we had just moved to Hillsboro, Oregon from Gresham, which is, you know, like two, three towns over for this job that was in Forest Grove, which is another two towns over. So I moved. We had to get rid of our dog, which we called Dog. We got rid of her. And yeah, I'll throw a picture on the, the page. I okay. It was, uh, she's a Pekingese Pomeranian mix. She was basically just a hairy hot duck. <laughs> and had a mega underbite with a snaggle tooth. It was pretty funny. Yeah. She looked like, you know, anybody's girlfriend off 82nd. And so. <laughs> hey, don't be shaming George. Like <laughs> anyway, so I'm, we moved. She was mad that we had to sell this dog or give it away. I'm sorry. And then <laughs> sell the Vietnamese restaurant. Uh, wonton soup. And so <laughs> I literally just moved like a couple weeks later. It was this guy. His name, I forgot his name, but he had a dog, a cat named Fred. And he said, no pets. And we move in with him in his townhouse. And he wanted roommates or somebody to pay you money but nobody to be there so he used to complain that i would make eggs which was crazy and then i moved i got rear-ended in this pickup truck from work when i go to work the next monday they fired me they did two things <laughs> you they said uh we said you could rent the truck borrow the truck but you couldn't get into an accident and i said well i didn't plan on getting into an accident so we i showed up in the morning told the owner it was a really small company and they said okay we'll do a dmv report i did the dmv report they said okay we'll take it over to the body shop and then uh this guy will follow you and take you back to work 
I did that. And when I came back to work, he had my final check ready and fired me. <laughs> so get, get those last couple hours out of you. Huh? <laughs> so then I had to uh, take the bus home because that was the company truck that I was driving. So I took the bus home, TriMet, and, <laughs> and I'm sitting here. My girlfriend at the time worked nights. So I'm sitting there thinking, how am I going to explain this to her? How, how, yeah. how am I going to, you know, like, Vic, hey, we moved over here for this job, which I just got fired from. And I'm walking up the stairs and I get a phone call. And it's this guy. And he says, uh, hey, uh, I'm looking. You applied for this job. You applied here. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. And I couldn't remember because, you know, this is 2005. And when you look for a job, all you're doing is applying. Yeah. So I didn't remember who I, you know, what it was, but I, I'm talking to this guy and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm over here in Texas, El Paso. And I want, like, I need a, a, a supply guy. And I'm like, well, I'm a power generation mechanic. He goes, well, I can see that, but I need a kick-ass supply guy. And I was like, all right, I'm that guy. I said, so when do you, you know, need me? He goes, well, when can you be over? I said, well, he wanted you to go to Texas. Yeah, to El Paso. Oh, no, okay. and I'm like at this point, I'm thinking this is this whole conversation lasts like two minutes, right? And in a regular job, you're like, okay, so I'm going to get interviewed, right? I said, okay, so w- what should I bring? Like, is this going to be like two days, or you know, for this interview or whatever? He goes, no, that was the interview. I'm, I'm hiring you. Oh, what? Yeah, and I went. <laughs> oh, okay. He's like, how soon can you be here? I said, uh, give me like uh, one week. He said, okay. So then I tell my girlfriend, <laughs> hey, you know. We, I'm going to leave. You don't need to be living with this, this dude. Cause I didn't like him anyway. Yeah. So I went over to him and it was a verbal agreement. I felt bad, but I said, look, brother, I'm going to leave. I'm not leaving my girl here. And you know, it's not really working out. So you could have any sort of feelings you want. We're going to pay through the month and we're going to take off. So he was kind of mad, but he didn't <laughs> say anything. So we, I moved her into this other apartment and then I went to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Texas was, it was an awesome job. I mean, my base pay was only at the time, like $18 an hour. Okay. But I got paid $107 a day per diem. What? Yeah. And so I was on El Paso. Yeah, yeah. Fort, Fort Bliss. Uh, so I get there. Uh, so I get there and these guys pick me up. And of course, I don't have any money. I'm young. And I barely have, you know, so much money in my bank account. Yeah. I get there and these guys are like, okay, so you just check into this weekly, monthly thing where they were staying. And it was like $300, which I had like $400 in my bank account. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, then after a little while, I figure out that I didn't have to live there. So I was like, what? <laughs> oh, so do I have to be here? They said, no. So I looked online, I think it was Craigslist. And I rented a room out of a house for like 200 bucks a month. And then I just took the money, you know, like the rest of the money yeah. and just, you know, did my normal thing. Well, it was a small project. It was like, I think we had like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Our site manager, the guy that hired me was an alcoholic. When I first went to go <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. to him, he had a, he had a, a handle of uh, vodka that was half empty. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> and there were only three of us, uh, four of us, excuse me. It was the site manager, two mechanics and me. And I was the supply guy. So I went to the office and I was just figuring out what we had, what we needed. And this project was to uh, like renew generators for the army. So it was just like changing seals, doing simple stuff like a package of what they needed. Yeah. We call it reset. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was (laughs) too bad. You can't reset that (laughs) prolapse. Just push it in. And so, (laughs) 
So I I went there and I'm like, okay, this is a pretty smooth gig, and, and yeah. I and it was the I started June of 2005, so it was the dead of summer. These two guys, they go to uh, TI all the generators mm-hmm. on the different units. Well, then we start taking them in, receiving them. Right. They give us yeah. a bay in on base with the units, so we didn't pay for any of that. They showed up. And they had bulk ordered everything for this reset, uh-huh. but like ten percent of it was there. And then on top of that, they were ordering them in in you know cubes of whatever they needed. Yeah. But they weren't coming in kits; they were coming like ten seals at a time. Uh, yeah, that's army logistics. Hey, you it. know, yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> but this was ordered before I came there. So I was like, okay, well, how many? yeah. Again, that sounds like the army, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a cluster. And so so after about a month, like my boss. Because there was only two of us, there uh-huh. more people started coming later. He would show up every third day. What? Then he would come in with his his laptop. He would come in, check his emails, and like ten minutes later, be like, "All right, I'm out of here. I'm gonna work from home." So I saw him like every fourth day, third or fourth day, living the dream. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, though, right? Yeah, yeah. he was blasted all the time. Well, the the thing that happened was, <laughs> I found out later he was a like a retired Coast Guard guy, but he he hated the military like with a passion. Why? Why? <laughs> So when he'd go to these officers, these meetings, he'd be just blasting them. And they're like, you know what? You know, why, why aren't you giving us answers? And he's like, it's not your place and this and that. So he'd, he'd flip out. So after, what was it? I think two months, he quit. Three months, maybe. Two, it was like two, three months. Yeah. And by this time, we had about seven, eight people. One guy was, I mean, two guys were from the South. Mm-hmm. You know, just the draw. The one dude had the handlebar mustache. He showed up in the, the pickup truck with no bed, with his uh, job box bolted to the frame. Nice. With a yes. cowboy hat. <laughs> so then, guess what? The the first guy leaves. They hire that second guy. The guy that that's the uh, southern hillbilly guy. Yeah. They promote him. He's a drunk. So he he had to submit reports. And every week was the same report. He just changed the date. Yes. So at this point, in about three months and some change, we had received, I think, 60 generators. We haven't turned one out. Yes. Oh, That's military we were, efficiency. Because we were though. limited. And yeah. so, then, so then he ended up getting fired, or he quit before he fired. He pulled the uh, command move. He thought, you know, we were screwed, but I knew him. So I, I backed up all our files onto a, a hard drive, mm-hmm. and then he deleted, reset the whole laptop, thought he screwed us. He didn't. So he quit. He was super butthurt. <laughs> and then we had our third one, which was our third site manager, which was a uh, master sergeant. Uh, retired. Solid. He comes in and goes, hold up. Let me look at this. So he looks like a, a spreadsheet of all the generators, went down the line, saw what we could fix, saw what we couldn't. He said, "What? Do, how much materials do we have? Yeah. Said, we have about, at that point, about 60%, 70% of what we need. He said, uh-huh. what we're going to do is we're going to put what we can in them. We're going to return them back to the units. And say we'll get them back when we get all the parts, so that we have something moving. Movement, yeah, yeah. And so he, he, did, he did that. And the problem was, was by this time it'd been four, five months. Yeah. And the damage was done. They were like, you know, you guys were we're canceling this contract, this yeah. reset. Yeah. And so, but if it would have worked out, we would have went to Fort Hood oh, and man. stayed there forever. <laughs> Turned out missing at Fort Hood. Hey, that, yeah. hey George's spot. <laughs> well, this was back in the day, so uh, so it was all right, but. But anyway, so we ended up there for six months total, and I got fired. I mean, um, laid sorry, off. Laid off because yeah. they they split it. They said, okay, we're gonna have fifty percent leave on 
December 15th and the other ones leave like just before Christmas. Yes. <laughs> well, I said, I'll be the first one gone. And they said, no, you won't. And it was, and I knew it, it was because they didn't know, but I was making as much as the site manager because I ended up worming into the assistant site manager. Oh, okay. Which people didn't like me because I was, I thought at the time, this, you know, I'm 25. I thought if you told the truth and told them straight up, that that'd be great. But apparently people don't like to hear the truth. They want to hear uh, <laughs> fluff. Yeah. Same people that are always yeah. like, hey, damn, everybody's such, such fucking snowflakes, can't take shit. And then yeah. you're like, hey, man, why are you bullshit? Oh, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah, so it'd be stuff. Well, it, the, I mean, they did them kind of dirty, and I was lucky because what happened was we were from all over the mm-hmm. U.S., and there was a husband-wife team from Georgia. And oh. don't ask me why. They had a, two, two kids. And <laughs> don't ask me why. They weren't related. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, sister. And so, right. no, they come to, they come to El Paso. They get the per diem. Guess what they do? They ball out. He had an old, like, uh, trailblazer. Yeah. They went and had candy paint put on it. Yes. Then the wife. Solid investment. Wife. No, it's even better. <laughs> then the then they rented an apartment for six months. Then, then <laughs> after the candy paint, they had, uh, she just had to have it. She saw it. New titties. It, <laughs> no, it was, she was, uh, she was a, like a, I'll say a bull, but you saw her and she bought a this was in 2005 she bought like a 1999 stretch f like 150 Uh, dually yes wow so i'm like wait what and she goes yeah you know it was me it looks it looks legit i'm and i said okay well whatever well once the contract started closing down they said we're either going to buy you a ticket home or the price of a ticket what a ticket would cost well at this time in 2005 you could fly from el paso texas to pretty much anywhere in the U.S. for like a hundred bucks, yeah. <laughs> and and so what happened to me was I flew there because I didn't have a reliable car. Yeah. So I was leaving. I said, "Well, I'm going to catch a ticket back." Well, this husband and wife team had to drive both their vehicles back from El Paso to to oh, Georgia, wow. and it was going to cost them like three or four hundred bucks a car. And I told them straight up, I said, "Well, this is all they're going to do." And they're like, "Well, you don't care because you know you're covered and this and that." And I said, "No, it was just luck." <laughs> if if I would have had a car that was reliable, I would have driven there. So yeah. you know, and and so I was the the first people gone, and I said, "Well, don't you know cheer cheer too much." And like the week later, just before I left, they got let go right before Christmas, so they knew <laughs> they they weren't too happy. But but all the people that were there, most of them, they they knew about contracting. They're like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go to back to KBR. I'm going to Dynacorp, whatever. And I'm like, Dynacorp. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is that? And they said, oh, I'm working overseas. We're working in Iraq. And I was like, what? They said, oh, yeah, there's contracts all over. And I was You're like, like huh, I've been there before. Hey, it was a pretty cool summer place. I liked it. <laughs> it, it, was, was, it, was it was warm, had uh, tons of uh, uh, sand dunes. <laughs> yeah. It was a hot girl summer. So, <laughs> well, the funny part was, was I went there in 03 for the war. Yeah. And then I went back in 06 with KBR, and people were just hella shook. And they're like, it's fucking dangerous. And I'm like... Including our mom. She was yeah. like, don't go there, Thomas. You're going to fucking die. Don't fucking do it. And yeah, I was like, was screaming. you know what? I'm I'm actually going. So calm yourself. <laughs> well, I told her, I'm like, I'm a grown man. I'm, I'm And I survived you know, a war. I'd already gone over there, and mm-hmm. I'm fine. So anyway, so I go get hired at KBR. And like Wes was saying before, and you guys' other podcasts recruiters only want to know if you want the job and tell you the conditions. So you could apply and it might take months for you to get called back, 
But if they're calling, it's only to tell you what's going on. Here's the wages. Are you, do you want it? Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, so at first they would never even ask about your job skills or any, it would just be like, do you need, this is the job we have. Do you want it? You say, okay. So you go. Well, at the time you go to KBR, which is still in Houston at the Hilton there. Our classes were between, I think, 600 and 800 people every Man. week for orientation. Yeah, you were talking about that last time so, at the... Oh, wait, was that off? No, it was off air. Okay, yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> so it was six to 800 people every week, every week, and, and it was split down the middle. The left side was Americans or, you know, whatever, and vice versa. The opposite side was foreigners. Everybody else. Yeah, mainly Balkans and stuff that they yeah. that they would fly in from their home country to the U.S., to Houston, to do the orientation and wow. fly back out. Well, I was like, this, this doesn't make sense because people that would make it, there were people that as soon as we do the orientation, which was free, they wouldn't pay you, but what they would do is they'd put you up in the hotel, you'd go through all the stuff, and then they would pay for your food. They would have, like, uh, buffets every breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. And then when you got your ticket, you can you can get in advance and you'd fly out. Well, the problem with Houston is where we did our orientation. It was like, it's kind of hood. So <laughs> these guys had heard that if you were a contractor, you'd somehow have four or $500 cash on you. Yeah. So they they told us, hey, don't, don't be walking around at night. Because a couple people got, one dude got the shit beat out of him. And another guy, it was under a bridge. He got tugged in the side and they poked his eye out. What? Yeah. And so some of the guys had money, some of them didn't. And so what they started (laughs) doing was, uh, was giving you money the morning of your flight or the day before, if you needed it. Yeah. And so you fly over and there were guys that would quit before they flew. There was guys that would get there into Iraq, all the way to Iraq. Cause then you'd go to Dubai Mm. and you'd spend the night. Then you get flown in. They would get there into Iraq and go, nope, I'm good. What was the point of that? I, I never <laughs> got it. I was like, what? Look, why are you? You went to the orientation. You saw this stuff. What's going on? And they would just be like, no. One guy, in fact, army guy, retired army guy said, what do you mean? He goes, yep, I'm good. I already see how it's going. Fuck it. And then he spent like two days there and he left. And I went, what? So... So what I found out later was the reason why they were processing, still processing hundreds of people mm-hmm. were because they would get paid per head, like five grand a head. Oh, so that's why they were pushing people. If they completed, yeah. it didn't matter if they did one day, the company would get paid so much money per person. So they're pumping fools through nonstop. Yeah. I'm guessing it's not like that anymore, right? N- no. I think they still get paid the heads, but the, but the positions aren't there. So, so anyway, I go to Iraq and, I went to, I started in Baghdad, then I went to Al-Assad. For oh, like I've been to Al-Assad. Yeah. <laughs> well, back in the day, it was it was real good because in true American form, they uh, yeah. brought him back, put all the AC units and everything in there. Al-Assad had that stadium yeah, yeah. and all this. And then, uh, then I went to this, this place called Habania, which was near Ramadi. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, and it was weird because it was like Habani is a city. Mm-hmm. So it's this huge city. Well, then just, it was like a two, two square mile. It was like a triangle. Yeah. And that was where we stayed. So it was just this little base and across the street, literally it was over a bridge overpass was the major base that we, I forgot which one it was. And I might've been Ramadi. And so we, so we were there and we were in this little base 
And then from there, which is which is pretty nice, I actually got lucky because they took these like carport stalls and turned them into rooms. So I had my own little room. And then nice. we had internet because the guys and girls had gone in on HughesNet yeah. back in the day. And so then for you to get into it, all you had to do was pay a certain amount of money and then a monthly thing. And what they would do is for anybody that started it, because the kit for HughesNet for all the dish and all the stuff, mm-hmm. I think it was like five or six grand back yeah, then. Yeah, we, 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 I've done that before. So, so, yeah. they, so, they, so the base people split it. And then they told me, you're going to pay a, a certain amount. But what they do is they would take that money to pay them back. So everybody that had the base thing was oh, like yeah. hundred bucks. They would split it between them. I was like, that's pretty cool to recoup your money. Yeah. And so we had internet. I stayed there for close to a year. And one of the fucked up stories was I was sitting there and all of a sudden, like our shops were like a big, it was like a C, you know, where, where all the trades were. Mm-hmm. And my, where the door was facing, it had a, like a latch on it, you know, that, that was, uh, it's like a little, um, what do you call it? Like an automatic door shutter, you know? So like it yeah. would just slam shut Well, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I feel this breeze and the door opens and then the door shuts. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, oh, well, well you know, whatever. And uh, a little while later, these army guys show up and they're like, hey, do you guys have light sets? And we're like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Can we borrow some? And we're like, yeah, go ahead. What do you need them for? Well, about a mile away, you could see the top of the mosque. And in that area, there was a mosque, a schoolhouse, and an open air market. Mm-hmm. They brought a dump truck there and blew up. <laughs> and so, so that, hey, what up? So, so that, that door opening thing was the pressure. Yeah. The explosion. Oh, wow. A mile away. And it was, and I didn't hear it. I just felt the, the breeze, <laughs> but it didn't messed up. It killed a bunch of people mm-hmm. and then messed up a whole bunch more. So, damn. Well, it's probably not as bad now, though, right? No. This like, was, as far as contracting goes, like, what are, like, the major places for these places? Oh, it's, it's changed, right? I'm sure it's changed, yeah. Because yeah. the last uh, the last president, uh, air quotes, no, uh, the last president <laughs> uh, was like, oh, yeah, we're going to finally fucking pull out of Afghanistan. And that's when Tom was looking like, uh-oh, I got, I got to look at another jo- other jobs to try and get up out of here before they end all the, con- like, 90% of the contracts and only the real good old boys get to stay. Well, so so what happened was, like I say, 05, 06, if anybody was in Iraq at that time, and, you know, you probably know, George, there was, yeah. like, 100 fobs. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. There was somewhere in there, and if you remember, there was an Anaconda to mm-hmm. the uh, center south was Taji and Key. Key West, I always call it Key Lime. <laughs> north was like where Mosul, and I was actually in Kirkuk up oh, okay. there. Yeah, I was in Mosul, yeah. Yeah, and the center was Baghdad. Yeah. Well, the thing, and the, like you say, what, what was messed up about for us, or for the military, was that yeah. you can get there, and a bomb blows off, and you're like, fuck this, and you quit. They yeah. had to get you home. They didn't have, you, they can't be like, oh, no, we, you know, you have to be here. You're like, no, I want to go home, and they had to get you off. Yeah. So in Mosul, which you might have been there when the, Homeboy walked in and blew up the block. Yeah, and I, was, destroyed I was there the, for that. Yeah. The cafeteria, yeah. the, the makeshift tent. Yeah, in yeah. fact, the uh, what's it? That one guy we interviewed, uh, the staff sergeant that was MacGyver or first class. Yeah, MacGyver. Yeah. Oh, Sergeant Jewel. Yeah, Sergeant Jewel. Yeah, he he knew that too. Was he he was there and he knew people that died or something from there? I think. No, his his was uh, a different one. But oh, no, we, wow. yeah, we worked with uh, the same guy, guy named Sergeant Ward. Um, before I had met him, we had crossed paths there, but we were, we yeah. were there when they, they got that chow hall. Bam. So when that blew up, they they would use, that was in 05, I think. Yeah, 05, yeah. 
And so in 06, when I went, they were showing pictures of it. And I was like, well, it's whatever. They said when that thing blew up, the next day there were uh, the whole flight line was lined with contractors waiting to fly out. Like the funny part is people think, okay, well, I'm going to a war zone. I'm doing this. But until the bomb drops or something yeah. happens, they yeah. think they're still home until the wake up call happens and they yeah. quit. Well, yeah, because they're sitting in their fobs and their offices and whatever yeah. in the shops and they're not actually engaging. So, well, we yeah. can't. That's the other thing is yeah. as a, a contractor, you can't actually leave base most of the time. Yeah. If you're, unless you're like a Blackwater guy <laughs> um, or uh, some sort of security, you, you can't leave the base. You're just stuck there. Yeah. So it has its own little, you know, nuances. How are you supposed to commit war crimes though, bro? Yeah. Oh, they're easy. Oh, <laughs> so, shut up. Oh, so, hey, that reminds me. So when, so when I was in, my buddy, Rom, was, uh, he. Uh, Rom-com? <laughs> no, when I was in, in Habania, they use, they, they stimulate the econ- economy by hiring locals, local nationals right. and Iraqis and whatever. And so there was a bunch of these young guys or teenagers, and they didn't care because they would get threatened. People would get threatened if they worked on the bases and mm-hmm. the company, find, you know, the people yeah. found out. These guys are showing up, and I didn't really know them. They'd clean the streets, and Habania, if you didn't know, in the 1950s, the British came to Iraq, and they built some bases. And the story goes, once they finished, a little while later, Saddam's like, roll on out. And they're like, hey, we just finished this. And like, well, you could either die or you could stay here. And so they they took off. Well, that was in the 50s. That was Habania. So when I went there in 06, you could still kind of see the streets. And then somebody dug up the pictures, you know, found them online and mm-hmm. of Habania, how it used to look at golf courses and all that. Well, anyway, these kids were cleaning the streets, whatever. And I didn't, you know, pay attention because I didn't work directly with them. They had the Marines over there that would run them and watch after them. Mm-hmm. They didn't show up. I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Then about a few days later, I'm like, oh, hey, what happened? And the one guy said, oh, yeah, they they found them. What happened was they, whoever found out that they were working there, they found them all, tied them up upside down and drilled through their legs and their hands and their head. Yeah, I've, I've, actually, I've actually seen that. But the guy that they got that was working with us was a, a colonel in the IPs. You know, and they strung him up in front of his house. Yep, and did all that craziness. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It was a retirement package. So yeah. <laughs> no, you should have seen if you guys could have, if they could have been uh, sponsored by Dremel. <laughs> you should have seen the other guy. <laughs> Rip a room. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So so anyway, so the so you go in these bases and you know do whatever. You're a contractor. Mm-hmm. You make pretty good money. Um, one of the things was that everybody made the same. So. If you were a, for me at least as at KBR, if you mm-hmm. were a contractor, I made about eighty seven thousand. I was twenty seven. I had no bills. I had uh, non taxed. So to me, I was like, oh shit, you know, that's, balling, huh? yeah, that was awesome. And so I went over there. And one good thing about being in the core was that you were used to sleeping in tents or sleeping on the ground and all this. So yeah. when I was in a, a room, I was like, this isn't bad. And you know, it was it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's always awesome to have your own spot. I think that's probably why they hire a lot of military. Yeah. And then I think the thing that the, the common thing with contracting is people always assume contracting with special operations guys. Yeah. And like it's not necessarily hey, like that, hey, right? Hey, what, like Tom was talking about with the, uh, which you got to go over again with the, uh, um, the truck drivers. I mean, huh, they're fit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the, one of the things. The, yeah. Like tests or whatever the physical tests or whatever during the uh, indoc or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, during your orientation when you're at, in Houston, you had to get in any company you work for. Actually, they make you do a physical, mm-hmm. 
And they took us in Houston. They took us to this huge tent. I mean, excuse me, it was like a hangar. It was a big hangar. Mm-hmm. And they just had a bunch of little modular buildings, little little guys, trailers. And that was for doing your blood work, doing the breath work, doing all the stuff. And mm-hmm. the bigger guys that have, quote unquote, rolling veins, which just meant they had so much <laughs> fat on them that they couldn't find yeah. the vein. And then they had this breath test where you would have blown it. And if you ever did that where you see the ball bouncing up and down, yeah. there's zero... Um, Resistance. Zero, yeah, I think zero resistance. And so you're you're instantly out of breath and you have to do it for like 10 seconds. So I'm sitting here wheezing and I want to start <laughs> laughing. And this guy next to me did it for like his third time as a smoker. <laughs> he was not slim. And he he basically passed out and they had to hold him up. So in the back, there was this truck, just the tractor, the front end part. Yeah. And they had you, they said even, they're like, we don't care how it looks. Just get in the truck. The requirement for the truck drivers was with your flak and Kevlar on, you had to get in the truck. Well, these guys were, you know, former NFL players. So they were about 5'5 five, five and about 350, <laughs> soaking wet. So they they could barely crawl in it. They were like jumping, leaning their bodies halfway in as far as they could and then crawling in there. And as long as they made it, you were good. Boom. So were these like up armored trucks or just regular truck? Tractor uh, tractors. They for the for the test it was just a regular tractor because we were in the states. But yeah. then when you went overseas, it was the up armor. Up armored. Oh, okay. And the funny part about up armor, like you guys were talking about military grade, they <laughs> thought, okay, we're going to up armor these, but they didn't think of the logistics of the suspension, suspension, yeah, and the hinges. The guys were telling me the first time they put the the doors on, which if you put up armor on on a door, it weighs like 70, 80 pounds. It's heavy as shit. So then they would say they a bunch of them they were opening the door and they would fall right off because it was ripping the hinges right off the body. Hell yeah. Yeah, and George is like, Yeah, no shit. Like, no, what are you thinking? Well, that's what everybody says. They're like, that doesn't make sense. And they go, Okay, well, we're gonna up armor this and this, and then the suspension will be blown out. And you're like, Yeah, it's only adding a couple thousand more pounds out, you know, just tons of weight. Yeah, yeah one of those drivers hopped in, shit blew out, and they're like, We haven't even up armored it. <laughs> that's crazy yeah I, i've actually seen some of those guys like i don't understand because the military has what they call 88 mics the army does they're truck drivers yeah, yeah. but they would hire these fat ass dudes that you know could, they're making like seven figures yeah, and you're like bro what well it's crazy and the funny part was later later in the wars and the the they thought literally it was the wild west they would come in and they're like well you have to show your badge to go into the cafeteria the defect the which is a dining facility yeah or you have to do this, you have to do that. And they would literally come in looking like gun smoke. They'd be walking in like, you can't tell me shit. I'm a, tra- I'm a truck driver. I was out over here. And they're like, we don't give a fuck. Yeah, and nobody cares. They started all this shit all the time. Yeah. yeah, All the time. And so they, they did their thing. But Oh, bro, you need to tell them about fucking your boy Honey Buns. Oh, Honey Buns, my, uh, my boss. So when I was in Habanilla, there was this, this little, this... It was a little base. And so there was only three of us. It was Larry, who's an older Swedish guy that was actually out of Washington, uh-huh. just the state up from where we live. Um, and JB, he was a guy from Texas. He was pretty big, um, but super nice and really knowledgeable about generators. And he worked on them for, you know, ever. Well, what we would do is we'd get, he'd get cases of honey buns from the cafeteria. But because we were on the smaller end, they would just bring them over in big old truckloads. And so he would just get them like by the box. Mm-hmm. And then he would take the honey buns, like two or three of them, put them on the dash, the dash and let them heat up. So when they, you know, it's like 10, 11, that ghetto oven. Yeah. yeah. When it got hot, he would smash them. Wow. 
And he told, yeah, he told me some stories and I was like, bro, I would, I wouldn't be in the gen power gen field if, if I had either one, like one of the stories was kind of whatever. He basically was working in a yard uh-huh. and the, the crane operator was moving conics boxes and he, he didn't notice that one was the guy either didn't notice him there. He didn't see the hand signal and the thing was coming for him. So he fell back. So he dropped like 15 feet straight on concrete onto his back yes. oh, man. like a turtle. Yep. <laughs> I know I was, uh, I was more edging towards the story where you guys fucking went vicious on him with those honey buns. Oh, I don't know. You don't remember when you guys, <laughs> you guys got a bunch of honey buns, threw them in his truck, threw them in the glove compartment. You got all pissed off. Oh no! He didn't, no, maybe that wasn't the guy. No, it was another guy. Oh no, he, that was that was care. another. No, because the other guy was fat. You're talking yeah. about. Yeah, well, they're both fat. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> no, but he didn't care. He was he was happy. Anyway, that was the first story. Broke his back. He was in traction for months and whatever. The one that got me, I said I would never be in the power gen field. Was he was working on an oil rig, and he, you know, when you're when you're testing the leads to see the output, you know, ten, eleven thousand volts, however many mm-hmm. thousands of volts. You have your leads like you see with a multimeter and then like a two or three foot long connector so you could reach all the way back into it. Mm-hmm. And he, he was standing on a step stool to reach into it on the oil platform. <laughs> and he said he leaned in and he said he must have touched it with his elbow because he said literally he went to touch it and he woke up three days later in the hospital. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap. So what happened was he, just t- he, he touched something. He started arcing and doing the... the Funky chicken, yeah. Yeah, the worm jiggle. <laughs> and the guy ha- a guy happened to be walking around the corner and when he saw me just kicked the stool out from under him, so it pulled him off. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. And he got life lighted back to wherever to land, know, wherever, yeah, yeah. To land in Texas. And then so he said he, he went, What? And he woke up and he was in the hospital. And his wife was right next to him. I said, Bro, you'd never get the time me. travel. Yeah. And that was like 20 years before I met him. So he was a younger guy when it happened. So he'd been in the field. I was oh, like, wow. Yeah. So you, so anyway, going back to it, you get hired as a, a, a mechanic or of any kind. And back in those days, they'd hire anybody. You could literally put in generator mechanic for, you know, or mechanic mm-hmm. and they would hire you. Now we went, I went from Habania to Kirkuk, mm-hmm. which was up North, Northern Iraq. And, my boss and me were the only two out of like 10 Americans that were actual mechanics. One guy had only seen a generator from Home Depot because he worked there. <laughs> and the rest of them didn't know what he, even a, a generator was. Right, right. But here's the beauty of contracting as an American is each one of them basically just chauffeured two or three Indian guys around and they did all the work. They'd load up the stuff, they would do the service and they'd walk away, you know, finish. And then they would yeah. just drive to wherever. Didn't they catch that one dude like uh, on one of your bases? He had pre-filled out like all of his forms for the day. Oh yeah, that was that was more recently. But <laughs> but basically, we didn't really have any forms to do. We didn't, you know, you just kind of take the people around and you made the same amount of money. Well, everybody made the same. Mm-hmm. So I was looking like, okay, I'm a generator mechanic. I'm working outside in the elements. Whenever shit goes down, guess what? They want it now. They want it fixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than that, they don't know who you are. But the guy or girl that works in basically a Motel 6 issuing rooms out makes the same exact amount of money. Oh, wow. And in fact, they made more because, believe it or not, there were people leveraging that. There, It was a uh, a seniority list, you know, whoever mm. got there first. And then, yeah. So what they would do is they're figuring out that if you paid me either like a thousand bucks cash or a hundred bucks a month or some, you know, some sort of payment plan, mm-hmm. 
I would get you. You just got here. I'll get you in the room next week. So they were making like thousands of dollars on top of their, their pay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Until they got caught because some of the guys that were waiting for like six months, there's a guy or girl that would get there. And then a week later, they're in a room and they're like, how did that happen? So guess what? They got caught. There was an investigation. They just quit. And then they came back like six months later. Damn, oh, hey, you need to tell. Easy, huh? yeah, yeah, it was. Back it, in that day, yeah. It, it, well, even kind of still. But, but what would happen is these, these larger contracts, like KBR, like I said, there was a uh, hundred bases or give or take so many. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were just hiring people hand over fist. Well, then in 2009 or 10, they started shutting down Iraq. And then all those people went from Iraq to Afghanistan. And then continued working there. And then when it opened back up, they either came back or whatever. Well, the issue is, is that it's like, think about like a hundred years ago. Like it was all OJT. So you'd get a guy, wasn't unusual. That would be 50 plus translucent. And <laughs> they would be a site manager. So in most jobs, they'd be like, think of a director of your department. Mm-hmm. And he, usually he, wouldn't know how, what email was. He would say, "I don't, I don't use the programs." <laughs> Bam. And they couldn't type. What? So they would literally be making crazy ass money, and there are two That's... or three Filipinos or Indians below them be writing all their emails, doing all their work. Hey, bro, uh, you need you need to not gloss. Hit it. You need to not gloss over those fucking crazy Indian stories you were telling me. Oh yeah, like was, don't look in your homie's eyes and all that shit. So, so one of the things when I first got there, it was only Indians, and yeah. I found out the reason why was because, for better or worse, the guys that I had met that were older were basically wanted the the stuff to be like slave trading back in the day. So they mm. would have their Indian guys clean their rooms, get them food do anything they wanted to. And then before the few years back, they had Filipino ladies. And mm-hmm. so they were using them like, you know, just prostitutes. They were doing all kinds of craziness. So there was a huge investigation and the Filipino women or all women, which are, I think they're only Filipinos. They, they got pulled off the bases. And so it was only guys. So when I got there in 06, this had already happened. So then because of what happened in, I believe it was 04, 05, when those Blackwater guys and some of the Filipino people got strung up, murdered, and mm-hmm. they caught them on fire, drug them down the street and all that. The, the Filipino government and the Indian government said, you can't work there. So what the companies would do is they would say they're working in Dubai and then shoot them over. Uh, okay. Well, the, the byproduct of this is if you, they went home, the Indian guys, I don't know about the Filipinos, but the Indians I knew for sure. At that point in time, if they would have gone home and they go through their passport and they found a stamp from Iraq, they would take their passport and they wouldn't be allowed to leave the country again. So also, got, that's why they couldn't go home. Yes. So the guys would, some guys would chance it, but most guys would stay there for two, three, four, five years in a row. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so and they're making crazy money, like a hundred bucks a week. No, they were making, <laughs> I think $800 a month, but for them, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, so, and these guys straight faced, like they were older guys. So I was in my twenties. They were like, you know, 40, 50, somewhere in there. And one guy told me like, these guys are all married. They have kids at home. It's about to be Spartacus. Yeah. And they were (laughs) telling me like, oh yeah, you know, if we're buddies over here, I'll just, you know, we'll go to our little room and homeboy will jerk me off. And I was like, what? wait, what are you kidding? Right. And he goes, no, no, it's like a buddy thing. And I was like, Wait, what? And they're and 
Then they would say, "That must be an army thing." Yeah, <laughs> true blue. So they would. So they said, "No, this is no lie." With a straight face, as long as you didn't look them in the eye, it didn't mean anything. Oh wow! But then if you looked in the eyes, it might be you might be catching feelings. I was like, "Bro, that's re- our aunt got blue out. She was laughing so hard. She still laughs to this day." So I was saying, you know, you just gotta get those mirrored sunglasses. There you, <laughs> you go. go. Oh, what if you have a bandana with eyes painted on? <laughs> That's freaking weird. I guess, yeah, like, uh, I guess the Iraqi people are kind of the same way. Like, you'll see those dudes holding hands and stuff. It's just like, we used to call it Man Love Thursdays, but, you know, it's just like, what the hell oh, is hey, happening? D- yeah, well, they do that in China, too. But, I mean, but, this, I, mean I understand this, what this is, Well, but. this idea, well, that's, I mean, what you're describing is totally different. But the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the idea of this, like, masculinity isn't the same the American idea isn't the same for other countries. Yeah. So when I was in China, dudes would just be hanging on each other, just chilling. You know, it's like it's nothing big. And in other countries, women hold hands all the time, even any age. Yeah, but those are chicks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, no. So like, that's a big difference from American culture. But you also got to talk about uh, them the infighting that they were doing and dudes getting murdered and clapped there. Oh, uh, so there, there wouldn't be, it wouldn't, they wouldn't get murdered, but the problem is, is that. No, they did you would, say that one dude was found with a fucking, uh, screwdriver in his chest? They're basically monkey fighting it in his shed. Oh yeah. Yeah. They got murdered. And uh, so, so that would just be, it'd just be fights, but you imagine if you never leave a job site and I always tell people like when you leave, you go home, you do whatever, but imagine never leaving your work or the parking lot of your work for years. Yeah, endless deployment, really. So it doesn't, yeah. like, anything just turns your, you know, flips your boat. And so one guy, I'll never forget, he was from a part in India where the guys told me that that's where, like, a, a lot of extremists come from. Mm-hmm. And he, he looked like a midget version of uh, George Clooney. <laughs> and he used to say, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. And... But you could see it in his eyes when he get mad. Like you could just see the rage in him. Yeah. And then I'd look at him and he'd kind of be like, "Oh!" And all these guys, no matter how old, did they you are, catch him trying to fucking shovel some dude in the head? No. So uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but what happened was these guys would look at you as an American, like you were the ultimate boss. So like yeah. it'd be weird for me, you know, you're twenty something, and these guys are like bowing down to you, and they're in their fifties. So yeah. it's always it's kind of a weird dynamic, yeah. but the respect was always there. But they <laughs> were like, I wasn't born white, so I'm not used to that. <laughs> So they never, they'd never just like, kidding. get uh, crazy on you, but right. they get crazy on each other. And so one yeah. guy, that guy, Clooney, was selling a TV <laughs> or he sold his TV to some other guy uh-huh. and he didn't give him all the money and they started freaking out on him. And so he was trying to throw stuff at him. He was trying to hit him over the head with stuff. And um, But this Sri Lankan guy that worked with me, his name was Abi, Abi Ratna, but his name was like super long. Yeah. Yeah, clap it out, throw the consonants. <laughs> no, he's he said literally that in Sri Lanka, their names are like 50, 60 letters long. So they're like, even <laughs> yeah, back home, crazy. they they cut their names. Abbreviate it, yeah. Abbreviate it, because yeah. they won't fit on IDs and whatever. <laughs> so so he told me that that guy, same guy, Clooney, they were, they were trying to open up um, a 55-gallon drum of oil with a screwdriver and a hammer, you yeah. know, just like doing the bump. And the other guy was trying to help him. And so then he tried to do something. He got mad and he hit him over the head with a shovel. <laughs> what the hell? And so the, yeah, the Sri Lanka guy went, hey, what do you want to do? It's, you guys are going to get fired. Do you want to get fired? And they're like, no. And so then he just said, stop it. Just stop. And so they stopped and it was over. But their dynamic was just, it was crazy. And then my buddy that I met later, he was an electrician. He uh-huh. hated going to their little spot because it was like, 
not forced, but it's kind of a semi-segregation. They mm-hmm. were subcontracted through KBR. Mm-hmm. It's called PPI. It's still around Prime Projects Incorporated, Incorporated or, or yeah. Industries. And they so they had their own uh, little mini base. And they would cook the food and they'd all just think there. of district nine. <laughs> oh, bro, it was no, it was no different. So no, cause then my buddy, that was an electrician. He'd yeah. go to their trailers and it was, Oh, the, the electrical's fucked up or messed up or whatever. He said he'd go there and there'd be water on the walls, on the ceiling. Oh, the wet weasel. Yeah, water, can, water weasel. Yeah. You hear him screaming and you know, just he, if you drove by where they lived, you just hear screaming and moaning and shit. And I was like, never. And he said, he would never try to go there at night. You should have called it the pleasure gardens. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah, these little side stories are just crazy about uh, contracting. But overall, yeah. when you had all these at the peak time, you had all these people going and getting promoted, and then they would get they would be upper managers. Mm-hmm. That and this happens all the time, even now. They don't have the the skill set to be management in any in the states in, in any, any sense place. yeah so then what happens is there'll be a truck driver and i ran into a lot of them they were truck drivers back home they'd be over there as a, a deputy project manager like oh, basically wow. an executive director and you're like what what did you do before like oh i was a truck driver back in tennessee and you're like what so what these guys would yeah. do is they would get these positions like two or three of them just good mm-hmm. old boys and then they would do it for six months to a year start really messing it up and then they would quit then their buddy would come then they would just then like six them. months later they get rehired as an O and M manager, and then they would so they would just high five each other and swap swap spots. Oh wow! So you had a lot of really messed up scenarios. In fact, like uh, when I went to Kirkuk, my boss, the one Wes talked about before, he was working in Kosovo in the nineties. That's where you made a whole bunch of money. But he said what happened was when they when the management realized that the mechanics were making more than the office people, they changed it. So that when everybody went to Iraq, the office people were making more than the the mechanics. Yeah, of course. You know, they're they're really in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So he told me this guy was a drunk and he because he was a retired army guy. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he went into places and cleaned them (laughs) up. He would go into maintenance shops that were just blown out or just notoriously bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'd go in and clean them up. He'd bust people mm. down. He'd get like he just. Hey, you should reports. do that. I know, right? Well, Clap that him. was when he was in the <laughs> army. Clapped him cheeks. That was when he was in the army. So yeah, he, <laughs> he he was. So he was really good. I mean, he was like one of my first real like mentors because I didn't know how to deal with people. Right. And it was really hard because, like I said, I would, I would just tell people straight up stuff, and they would get super butt hurt. And I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. And then. It was a lot of stuff. So people don't really like it when you're like, "Hey man, why are you such a bitch?" <laughs> well, one one girl, in fact, she was she was the only female that we had in our department, and she was from Georgia, and this is 2007. She was wearing the like juicy couture stuff, like the uh, sweatsuit, yeah, yeah. the tracksuits back in the day. And I can't, you know, we had this initiative, this thing that said regulations that was like, "Hey, you can't wear sweats to work." Mm-hmm. So I told her, I was like. Hey, you can't wear sweats to work. And she's like, are you serious? I said, yeah, it, it says in the regulations, whatever. So she got super butthurt. She went and changed, came back. So then all the guys that were trying to smash on her, like hated me. Nobody would talk to me. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it got, it was huge. It was a huge thing for nothing, basically. And then when yeah. my boss came back, cause he was on vacation, he goes, so what happened? And I told him, he goes, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. He's like, I know it, but just pick your battles. Because yeah. you saw what happened. Like it turned into a big old yeah, storm yeah. of garbage. And I was like, oh, okay. So 
he knew how to run people. He would ask questions. He would do stuff. And right. uh, he was really good at it. But but yeah, oh. he, he goes. And when he was in Kosovo, like 10 years before, he got into a fight with this little short guy mm. that was, uh, I think, a laundry supervisor. And he was blasted. So my my boss, he punched him in the chest and laid him out. And then <laughs> as soon as we were in Kirkuk, that guy shows up as the site manager. Mm. And he goes, oh, I'm fired. And I went, what? He goes, Oh yeah, just just wait, just wait for it. And so no bullshit. He like it was like the Jedi mind trick. He goes, he'll find something and then they'll figure it out and then they'll get me fired some kind of way. Sure as shit. He he goes and there was on generators at the time. There was this thing where they needed to have uh, spill containments. Right? How dare you? Because before that they're just laying on the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can go anywhere. I would go through Baghdad biop to go on vacation. And yeah. there were like, there were five bases. And so you were like right next to each other. And there's still now, there's three of them. But they were right next to each other. And my boss said, okay, well, do me a favor. When you go on vacation, just just look and see how many containments those generators have. And I'd walk around, none. So then we, I get, I go to vacation, I come back. And that site manager was threatening to fire him because we didn't have containments under our generators. Yeah. So my boss, you know, he's not stupid. He goes, okay, so what we're going to do is you're going to do one a day. Don't go faster. Just do one a day and take a before and after picture. And we'll just send them. So after a few months, we had almost all of them done. They still fired him. Yes. And he goes, all right, cool. And when all this is happening, keep in mind, I I still have the dovetail of the people hating me. And, And they hated me anyway because I got hired as a foreman from another base. Yeah, and there was another guy named Tom. We called him Tom Dooley, and and again, this is this just outlines how crazy this was at the time. Tom Dooley was in his fifties, had no upper teeth, and he was a, like a Southern Missouri, you know, Southern boy, and he was so mad he couldn't get the promotion. He just thought he should have it. Well, my boss was telling him honestly, like, you can't, you, like, what are you going to do for me? He's like, well, you could run this, and they said. You can't read. He literally couldn't read. Yes. Barely. <laughs> barely read. And he and he, we called him Tom Dooley because at, even as a grown man, if you told him something he didn't like, he'd flip out. And so when my boss, so I get there, I'm the foreman. Everybody hates me. I'm young too. And then my boss goes on vacation and he makes me the, the stand-in supervisor. Yeah. Which is where I made my little my thing. And, yeah. and so then Tom Dooley comes up to me. I was saying, hey, man, you got to do this. You know, this is what's going on. And he goes... You're not my boss. And I said, I mean, right now I am. And he took that, rolls outside, gets in his dually, and just tears out. I'm like, what happened? And then, no no kidding, this this happened again and again. He would come back about 20 minutes later like a dog with his tail between his legs and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have overreacted and this and that. And without a fail, something else would happen. He'd be like, oh, he's about to take off. And he's just tear out. And so he... That, that's what how everything was. You'd yeah. get all these guys, and then I would you'd have to go to heavy equipment to lift the generator onto a trailer and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was when I first learned the term boat up. <laughs> There'd be guys like five guys, good old boys, just sitting in the, the trailer, yeah. and you'd say, Hey man, could, could you help me move you know this generator? I don't know, we're boat up. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what's happening, and they're like. We got stuff going on, and they wouldn't have anything going on. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so we'd get Tom Dooley over there, which he would be pumped that he could go talk to his his uh, his homies, his white counterparts, his and, countrymen, <laughs> yeah, his countrymen, and then they would go and do it for him. And I was like, 
All right, whatever it takes. You know, I don't really care. But yeah, that hey, that's why homie didn't have any teeth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a lot of stuff moved. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it got it was crazy because you'd see these dudes rolling around in gators uh-huh. looking for their their Indians, their FNs, like they were slaves. They'd be like, "Where's my boy at?" And I'd be like, tearing out, tearing into the yard, going, "Where's my boy? At? I, I I don't know where he's at." And I'm like, "Who?" And they, of course, they still didn't remember their names. Like the little short Indian guy. And I'm like, I, "What? I don't, I don't. I haven't seen him. Oh, I'm gonna find him." And so he tears out looking for him. I mean, it, this shit was like it was the 20s again. <laughs> Man, those motherfuckers must have been in heaven. Yeah, yeah, no, they were in heaven. And so, so it was, it was this crazy dynamic. And so. Once my boss got fired, they wanted me to stay. And I was like, here? No, 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 no. And they said, well, well, we want you to move to another. Was, I think it was Red Horse. I think it was one of the other bases nearby. And I was like, no, I'm good. Because at the time, and even fairly currently, I would think in my head, if I'm, it's over, it's over. Yeah. But I should have stayed. And I did. Yeah. So I left. But that was like how a snapshot of how contracting was back then. And then I left. I came back, I left in 08 and I came back in 2010 to Afghanistan. And that was actually quite a bit better. It was still good old boy stuff, but you know, yeah. most people could read by then. <laughs> Woo. Still Step couldn't up. do emails. Don't get me wrong. Still couldn't. There was a guy I worked with, mind you, not for, with, but he wanted to be my boss. And I said, we're, we're both foremen. What had happened was I got hired by a company at Dynacorp, Dynacorp, which was in Fort Hood. Or no, um, Fort Worth. Okay. Because most of the high, these companies are in Texas. So I went to Fort Worth, did my orientation. Yeah. Made, I'm shocked. You know, <laughs> met my buddy, which was the electrician, which we ended up together for the whole year. Talking about Brandon? No, um, no, uh, uh, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. The electrician. Brandon was an HVAC guy we went to vacation with, my brother and I, then yeah. him and his brother. Yeah, it was when we went to Ireland. Yeah. And so... And Tom put... Uh, a uh, regular gas and a diesel engine was pretty tight. No, I put diesel in a regular engine. There it was. <laughs> because if, for the listeners out here, if you didn't know, not only are the guns the same size, so there's no hole differentiation like in the States there are, um, but green here in the States means diesel. Green over in uh, Ireland, at least, means regular. Yeah, so they were swapped, uh, actually. backwards. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't think to ask because I was like, because you don't know Wes, I don't know you do, but when if you take yeah. diesel, the gun won't fit into a regular. No, yeah, I, hey, I knew that. So, <laughs> well, anyway, so, uh, so uh, you work with the electrician guy. So I get hired as a power plant for or power generation foreman. Mm-hmm. While we're flying over, they they change they created the power plant job department, and then I became overnight a power plant foreman. Okay. And all the electricians were power plant electricians. Now, this was another ten dollars or $15,000 a year pay, which I didn't get. But <laughs> it was all right. So when because it was so brand new, when we got to any base, people were like, well, you, you're working for me. And I'm like, you're a foreman. I'm a foreman. I'm not working for you. I'm in a, a different department, but we'll work with you. Mm-hmm. So I get we get to this base called Shindan. And it's this little base. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it was a little base, and we went, but it had an airstrip out of nowhere. <laughs> hey, yeah, what it up? Had this little airstrip, and so on one side it was everybody, and the funny part was was there was the Iraqi or the Afghani guys, the Afghani military, Germans, Italians, mm-hmm. and then us, the contractors, and there was some Americans, but then 
If you guys don't know, general order number one for the military means no alcohol, no whatever, Mm -hmm. in country. We Americans are the only ones that do that. Everybody else. Everybody, they don't care. Everybody else is, in fact, this little base, little base. I mean, I'm talking like maybe four miles in a circle that had the airstrip. The Italians had a, a, a liquor store. Yes. What? Yeah. So, so <laughs> all these guys in our, our security was like, he was cool. So he would just kind of sit there for like 20 minutes and then walk away. And so everybody would buy liquor. Well, we get on the base. We're the outsiders. Everybody's getting blasted. <laughs> so we would get there and then we'd get up in the morning at like six. You wouldn't see anybody till like nine. And one, this one lady, she looked wrecked. I mean, she would take a gator to go 20 feet to go to the bathroom and go back. It's America, yeah. Yeah. And so... It was just that base with the that got that crazy, like, Russian or Bosnian fucking prostitution ring clipped up? No, that was all of them. But, oh, well. <laughs> but anyway, the we go there, we get there, and the electrical supervisor or electrical foreman was like, well, you guys are working for me. I said, no, you're, no we're not. We, we are here for the power plant. We're a different department. But I had an electrician, so he'd always try to poach him. Well, then we'd go visit him. He was shady. We'd visit him, and then my buddy, the electrician, would be like, oh, well, there's these greedy pliers mm-hmm. for, like, studs and all this, which would cost, like, they're, like, $400 sets or whatever. There was a whole rack of, of stuff that was brand new. And we're like, hey, can we use that? He goes, no, no, don't worry about that. What? Yeah, you know, we're like, oh, okay, whatever. And after a while, I'm like, there's a whole bunch of, like, half this conics of parts is brand new. Yeah. So what you didn't know is that back in the day, it was way easier. People would just mail stuff home. They would yeah. buy it on the company and then mail it home. And I'm not talking like stuff like that. There were guys back in the day mailing gators back home. They were they would have a buddy in Kuwait, and they would get the conixes there, and they would get turned around and go to Louisiana, you know, wherever they're from, and go there. Yeah. So they lost a whole bunch of stuff, but. Yeah, sounds about right. Even regular military yeah. people were doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, because there was no accountability back yeah. then. So anyway, I go to Shindan. We're doing this. You know, we're getting into it with the guy a little bit, that electric, electrical supervisor. And then when it, then they said, oh, well, the power plant's on the other side of the flight line. If you guys want to move over there, you guys can build rooms into this tent area. And we're like, okay, so we build these rooms. And then as soon as we move over, they go, hey, you know there's no security on that side. I'm like, okay, first, why wouldn't you tell me? But whatever, it's, you know, we're fine. And there was like seven of us. Well, then every time the electricians would go over there, he'd try to poach them. What the hell? So he'd tell me. And I'd go over there, but hey, man, don't do that. Stop talking to my people, whatever. Well, my buddy Jeremy mm-hmm. would basically go tell him to go fuck himself. He's from, uh, he's from uh, I think, Hope Falls, Virginia. And so he... Would flip out on them. They almost got into a fight. And I got not a fight, but a verbal fight with the guy. And then one day, so we'd been there maybe a month. The security guy shows up and he goes, hey, the guy wants to talk to you. And I'm like, for what? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, why are you here? He's like, well, I don't know. They want us to be there. It's like, so Jeremy and me go over to the guy. And he looked like he was crying. He was like, he was this Jamaican, big black dude. He's like, I. I tried everything I could. I, I, I tried to keep you here, but you got to go. And I was like, oh, okay. So we, this is at like four in the afternoon mm-hmm. in the evening, yeah. right after dinner. And I'm like, oh, so we just leaving tomorrow. Cause it was like choppers. Cause no, you're leaving tonight at eight. <laughs> I was like, what? 
Oh, okay. And so, so we get we get escorted off, and I think it was he was afraid we we're going to beat him up. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, whatever. So we ended up going back to Kandahar, and then we went to Leatherneck, and that's where I stayed for the first year, the rest nice. of the year, which is a Marine base. And the other component where the other flight line is is the British people is called Bastion. Mm-hmm. So it was Bastion first, then the the Marines built on the other side with Leatherneck. So then I spent my year there. And then I left, I got hired on with Lockheed Martin, went to North Carolina, got training there and then the South Carolina, which was like to date the best company I've worked for because they rented you a car. Each one of us, it was three of us that were getting, uh, going through orientation. They rented each one of us a car, mm-hmm. each one of us a suite in, in every hotel and every place we were at. And then when we came back, we flew over via C7 with the other army guys and we went from North Carolina to Bangor, Maine, to Bangor, Maine, to Ramstein, stayed there for like 30-something hours, and then flew straight into uh, Kandahar, or Baghdad, or mm-hmm. excuse me, um, Bagram, Bagram, to Bath, okay. yeah. and then Kandahar, and then we went wherever. Nice. I ended up back at Leatherneck. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I like was- all stomping grounds. Yeah, <laughs> and I was there for a few weeks until I went to my next you know, job or wherever yeah. I went, whichever base, and I kind of don't yeah. remember where I went because- we were working for special forces, so they would right. send us these little bases in middle of nowhere. I mean, places I went that don't exist, right? Yeah, they, they literally sent me to a place that was I got choppered into, and there was like thirty people there. Yeah, there was no walls; it was just a a place. <laughs> I had a SF guys and stuff, so it was it was pretty fun. But that sounds exciting. Yeah. So, so how does someone apply for something like that? So you pretty much just like any job, you apply. You go to like websites website. or something? Yeah. yeah, website, PAE. So like, I, what are some of the companies? So now I work for a company called PAE, mm-hmm. and it's a bigger company. It just got bought out last year by a company called Amentum. And the year, two years before that, they actually, Amentum bought DynCorp. So now okay. they're like a big old conglomerate company. So you can just go to, yeah, PAE, Amentum. Uh, KBR is still kicking because I actually got hired and I went there a couple months. Because I was waiting for PA to call me back. Mm-hmm. I work now at the Baghdad Embassy compound, the Beck, uh, before I actually got hired to go to Saudi Arabia through KBR, which is a pretty sm- smooth gig as well. Okay. And is it, is it pretty easy to transfer over, like, let's say KBR to, like, Dynacore or whatever it is? Yeah, so what, what would happen back in the day is, let's say, George, you're working for the company, and you work for KBR, and I work for General Dynamics. Right. And we're both uh, generator mechanics. And you make, let's say, $110,000. And I'm like, hey, man, I make $200,000. Yeah. you're like, oh, for real? Hey, get me in there. And so I give you the link, give you the guy to email, email me resume, you get hired. And a month later, you flip the badge, and now you're a general dynamics guy. Oh. Well, then six months later, you find out, oh, Lockheed Martin's hiring, and they pay like 300000 Okay, cool. <laughs> and then you just, so we were flipping badges all the time. Like, Americans have this nuance where they would just flip jobs because of the money because the money yeah. would be different you know so much better depending well, dirty, so dirty whore hey yeah. <laughs> so so the part you should really go over is how when you got hired in 2020 so you took a break from uh contracting for years right so i was in kbr in iraq 2006 2008 when i quit for the what i mentioned then i went back in 2010 to 2012 to afghanistan and what's funny was I worked with Lockheed. It was a phenomenal job. I got my top secret from him. 
And then I, after my year, I was like, oh, I'm good. And so I just came back to the States where I actually started working at TriMet. So I stayed, I stayed out of contracting for seven years. And then one day my wife and my wife's, you know, we're at our house and I'm like, Hey, wonder if I contracted again, you know? And she's like, Oh, okay. Well maybe and I said, well, let me, let me just knock down five quick years and maybe, you know, wink, wink a little more and we'll see what happens. And she said, okay. So I said, Oh babe, we're going to go on these trips. We're going to go, you know, every six months I'll have a vacation, yeah. jump in, jump out point, yeah. even back then. And even now is still Dubai. So I've been to Dubai a bunch of times and it's easy to catch flights all over. Yeah. Yeah. So I go there and I go to Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan, February 2020. So I didn't see my wife for a year. <laughs> Damn. So it was a solid year of working 12 hour days, seven days. So I worked a year straight and it almost destroyed me. Damn. Well, and you need to talk about those homies that were like, oh, I need to go home. The ones that were like, I- I'm going to quit. I'm going to go home. I need to check my family. Oh, no, it was. And you were like, well, bro, you can't go back. Like, uh, uh, Dubai is closed. You're, you're just going to sit here not doing anything, not getting paid. So in that time, the so 2020 was messed up for everybody. But mm. one of the biggest things that take away. What happened? Like, <laughs> uh, the sky fell. <laughs> China took over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Epstein committed suicide, as we all know. So, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, so what ended up happening was. It gave companies carte blanche to do almost every anything they wanted in the name of, oh, it's a pandemic. And so I saw some ridiculous stuff that proved to me that companies, contractors at least in general, are very reactive, not proactive. Uh-huh. And as I yeah. said before, a lot of these guys and girls don't ever leave. They're there for 10 or 12 years. So they have no frame of reference and everything's on wheels. So you're used to ABC. So when you when you don't have a B, they don't know what it, it is. So they just kept with that same mindset. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, there's people that work for the travel jobs that they never reduced. And for six or eight months, we weren't going anywhere. And you're like, what are their jobs? Like, they're just sitting there. That's pretty much what they were doing. Yo. So people were like, we need to go home. We need to do this. And for Americans, we can kind of go back. One thing they did, which was pretty messed up, was... In the heat of pandemic, this was, was it pandemic was February, March, March was the pandemic. I think it was April or May. Mm-hmm. They were scared that the people that were over 55 or 60 that were there, which there are a bunch that they would die there, you know, or something would happen and they couldn't take care of them. Yeah. Even a Bagram. So they took everybody that was 60 plus or had a uh, condition pre whatever. Condition. Comor- comorbidity. Yeah. Comorbidity. And they put them in a flight and shipped them back home. And a week later they fired them. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yo. Oh, yeah. Because they were like, oh, yeah, we got you, though. We're going to keep paying you a, you know, a little bit. Just keep it going. We're going to bring it back. No, but some guys did. Don't you don't get it. Yeah. There are guys and girls that they went home and they were paid their salary for six months. Yes. Until Man. they figured out that what what could happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, But the messed up part was people that were from other countries like the Balkans specifically couldn't go home. And so one guy, uh, he got in trouble. He got into a fist fight with another guy on a fob. Uh huh. They fired him. Well, when you go to Bagram and you're not an American, you get a red badge. And the red badge means you have to be escorted everywhere. So this guy got fired. He had to be escorted everywhere. They couldn't fly him out. And he was the sole money earner for his family. So two months later, he killed himself. Oh, my God. Wow. And the Balkans rose up. They did a a meet-in, a sit-down, flipped out. 
And you'd think that the guys that were the managers, it was the, the security manager, the site manager, and the HR manager. Mm-hmm. They didn't get fired. Why would they? It got promoted, probably. any other job, you would have instantly been fired. Oh, for sure. They Eh. moved positions. Eh. Eh, That sounds about right. I mean, you're in the banking industry and stuff. You'll you'll do all right. So after after that dude had uh, done his thing, his seppuku, (laughs) they then somehow were able to magically find a flight for anybody that wanted to leave back to the Balkans, which uh, I think it was like 90% of them. It was like 300 of them. Damn. And then the Indians tried to do a sit-in the next week, and it wasn't successful. So, Because <laughs> um, what they would do, companies, the, the dirty thing is, if you get paid, you get paid at a certain rate. Mm-hmm. Well, then if you leave, if they let you go, they riff you. You know, they, they say, oh, we don't need as many people. Yeah. They would cut half the people off, and then a couple months later, call them back. And be like, hey, you want to come back? And now you're the tier lower. Yeah. Hey. So you get paid like 60% of what you used to get paid. Damn, that sucks, man. That's dirty, man. But yeah, as I Americans, know. as Americans, these companies they get paid so much per head. It doesn't matter right. if you're an American or if yeah, you're like a foreigner. You so you get you could have like say ten foreigners for the price of one American. So then like when I came in 06, there was about 80, 90 percent Americans. Mm-hmm. When I came back in twenty ten, there was about fifty percent. And now I'm currently working over there, depending on because my job's specific because we have to have clearances and stuff. But it's something like 10, 15% Americans. Yeah. Wow. And almost all foreigners. <laughs> hey, you should. Somebody's yeah. getting bonuses. For real. <laughs> you know what you should talk about, though, is, is uh, how you, you were searching for another job when Afghanistan was, was closing down. So, and you came back. You know what I'm talking about. For your, your COVID. Uh, you did your COVID uh, segregation, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, oh, my isolation? Yeah, your COVID isolation <laughs> to fucking in, uh, what, Dubai, and then your base, and then you fucking clapped out. Yeah. So, you know what I'm talking about. Were, were you guys flying into El Minhad in Dubai? That's where I was. Or was it just actually like a Dubai airport? No, it was actually the Dubai airport. Oh, okay. And what was nice <laughs> Yeah, was, they were humans. <laughs> yeah, to not... Quar- we were contractors. What, what was nice for us was that because of all this stuff was happening, yeah. we just got hotels in the airport. Oh. So we'd be sitting in the Dubai airport hotel. Damn, must have been nice. Oh, it was sweet. But <laughs> but uh, one thing that, so so what happened was basically I was waiting. Uh, so during 2020, mm-hmm. I got there. And as soon as I got to Bagram, they were said, oh, hey, you know, we got KBR. We lost the contract to KBR. I was working for another company. So I said, well, I'm going to look for another job because mm-hmm. whether you guys know it or not, and it makes sense when you say it, but if you think about it, you're not leaving the company just to get another company because what's going to happen is when the new company comes in, you have to sign another contract. So you're always you're already going for an, another company no matter what. So I started right. hunting around looking for other jobs. I found actually a couple. One of them, uh, they hired me, mm-hmm. they, and I never went because I wasn't able to leave. So after my year, when I was getting close to my year, there was February 2021, mm-hmm. Uh, KBR called me again and I was like oh okay cool I'm gonna go to you know I went Prince Salt and Air Base yeah. Saudi Arabia I feel bad because this is the only time I've never completed my year my contract year yeah you uh, felt real bad I, I well I still I felt bad about it because it was it's not you know not right but what happened was I got hired I hey, went your smile says something different to orientation <laughs> in uh, Houston and then I went so I had a week in Houston doing orientation. Mm-hmm. Then we went down to wherever the Air Force does their boot camp. And we got our cat cards. 
We came back and then we flew over. Well, we got quarantined in Bahrain for two weeks mm-hmm. in a five-star hotel. Oh, wow. And the struggle's real. Yeah, real. Yeah, they struggle. paid for all of them. And then you got to the airport when you flew in. Yeah. And they took one of the sides of the airport, the carousels and all that down. So what it was, was you had to do a PCR test as soon as you got in country. You downloaded this app. Two days later, they said you were cleared. And then we could walk around. So it was like a mini vacation for two weeks. Wow. And then I'm keep in mind, I'm still waiting for the embassy to call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baghdad and then I go from there for two weeks then I went to Riyadh I, I then I got a bonus I got it paid and then <laughs> a sign-on bonus and then I spent three days in Riyadh because we had to do another PCR test and the day I was driven because it was an hour and a half from Riyadh into Prince Sultan Air Base mm-hmm. where the handoff was and then we did another two weeks in quarantine which was like 10 tents which was it was a joke it was like 10 or 20 tents had its own laundry had this little area where you could work out in right and you ate uh, at like this. It was like a USO. It was really weird. They had a bunch of free stuff. Yeah. But then they would get you lunch, breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner every day. It was ran by the Air Force. Also, it was probably pretty good then. Yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> and so so then the day I got there on the base, the company, my current company called me. And they're like, yeah. do you want this? And I was like, yes. And so then <laughs> I did my two weeks. And the day after I got out of quarantine, I quit. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that I clap back. So <laughs> So in two months, I worked like one week. And it's all quarantine pretty much? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Spend all that money and then you're like, later. So then. <laughs> later, get her. <laughs> so then I ended up uh, going back to Dubai and I sat there for nine days, hung out, waited to start the new job. Both times I was trying to get my wife to come and she couldn't or she wouldn't because of, you know, the scenario mm-hmm. of having a quarantine or whatever. Yeah. But I went to Dubai, and because it got decimated, the tourism got decimated by yeah. the pandemic. You went on a bunch of tours, right? No, I just did one. But I I rented an Airbnb room near the Dubai Marina for nine days for like three hundred bucks. <laughs> Bam! Was that what? Uh, there was that beach that's down there. Uh, you talking about the? Uh, you talking about uh, the uh, Palm? Yeah. The the one with the yeah, they build all the, those the houses yeah yeah I, I yeah that's called the palm went through all that crap rented yep. a, a yacht when I was out there and freaking did some fishing and Dubai was pretty dope man Dubai yeah so I rented a car it was a Nissan Sunny which is basically like a <laughs> Nissan Sentra yeah <laughs> and I went to a gym which is kind of weird I went to a gym called a Bonosis Gym which is super famous yeah and it's like you're walking into Instagram because everybody's recording themselves they're all like in shape <laughs> that's where that one dude Larry Wills is. Yeah, if you've oh, ever yeah. seen on YouTube that yeah young black dude that does all these like sh- crazy strength things and oh yeah 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 he was there so Tom saw him and he tried to record him and they were like hey like, yeah, yeah. he started doing his arm wrestling stuff yeah so yeah he was he was setting it up because it was that Friday but I'd go there every day and work out and it was it was pretty awesome <laughs> nice yeah That's- for some reason a lot of people a lot of uh, like bodybuilders and people go there and then all of a sudden they gain like 20, 30 pounds of muscle I wonder how weird. that is weird that's weird gears in the air and hey, right? they, yeah. they missed you with D-ball and Trent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty crazy when I was there before we got locked down we were walking around all over the beach it was like Mer- Mer- Mercer Mer- Mercari Mer- I don't remember the that's name over, of the beach that's over where um, the Burj Khalifa is yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, what there. you say? Wiz Khalifa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Mia Khalifa is what we called it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like we'd go walk around the beach and stuff. And there was like this Muay Thai camp that was out there by the beach and stuff. Dudes are there kicking bags and, you know, being tough guys and everything. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. You got a man boner. You're like, oh shit, let's yeah. do this. And it's funny too, because we're on the beach and we're like, like heading back to our, our transportation. And we walk yeah. through like, the, we're walking through this like resort. 
And this dude's come out of nowhere. They're like, who are you guys? Do you guys have rooms here? And we're just like, no, we're just walking through. They're like, oh, you can't walk through here. Yeah. This is like a private resort and stuff. And I was just yeah. like, oh, what? I can't wait walking and then I was like, well, how the hell do we get out of here yeah. then? And the guy escorts us. And he, oh, dude, he took us like through the backside, walking through like all these dumpsters and all yeah. this. All this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I take that road and go out. And then we get walk all the, past all this trash and it's all stinking and dirty. And then we get out of the gate and it's like behind the resort where it's like a big ass desert field and stuff. So we had to like basically walk around this all the way around. Resort. Yeah. I was just like, what the hell, man? It's that's just, that's yeah. legit. Yeah. It's for real. You, man. Bet you, you started crying. You're like, it's brought me back to my childhood. Yeah, my childhood days, man, it was crazy. But yeah, Dubai is pretty dope, man. Yeah. I liked it. I got to get up out there sometime. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, then, then after the nine days I went to where I'm at now in Baghdad and mm-hmm. it's been yeah. awesome ever since. So, uh, but one of the, so what Wes was talking about is, at my at the one company, I'm not going to say who they are. They're, they were like probably one of the worst experiences I oh yeah contracting. But it was mainly, I think it was 50 percent because of the let's say the leadership just because they were canceling their uh, Middle Eastern jobs, mm-hmm. so they knew that this was it. So the everybody was kind of hanging out, and then we had the pandemic, so it was yeah kind of a 50 50 split. But this one kid that was working, there was two guys that were young that were working with me. Both of them were 24 years old. One of them was an ex marine named Tom. Of course, he was. From Kansas. Yeah. Then the uh, other guy was this guy named Cameron. I always call him Cameroon. And he he was an army guy. And he was super funny. He did three years. Keep in mind, this is like 2017 to 2000, or 2016, 2019. Never deployed. He never left the States. What? I was like, how? But he, he was not the... Uh, you should ask him where his purple heart was. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I, did. I used to mess with him all the time. Um, and so he ended up, like what we do is, is as a route guy, you had a route. You had 80 to 100 generators mm-hmm. and light sets. And so you had to do your own scheduling. You had to do your own uh, services, maintenance, schedule, load tests, which means if the generators aren't running but it's at a critical site, you had to switch it over to the generator for an hour or two, let it run and switch it back yeah. because that's the only way you could check to see if it actually works. So you, then you'd fill out your paperwork. Well, what he would do is he got trained to hurry up and do his route, which is a smaller route. And then he would come back, write the paperwork for the entire day. So like, Oh, that was what I do. Got clapped. Yeah. So at 9am he would have paperwork all the way done till three or four in the afternoon, which oh, wow. it, it happens because right. Your check should take X amount of time, but if you took care of your route, you knew what was good and what wasn't. So you'd still go check it, but it wouldn't. It's supposed to supposedly take a half hour, take like five yeah. minutes. In theory, like you'd a little go more check. pencil whipping. I was like, in theory, you'd go check it. So no, yeah, some guy. So anyway, what he did was he went to the uh, PX, the the shopping area, yeah. and one of the bosses came through, the site managers, and he was he had a wicked boner to try to get people in trouble. So he goes, hey, show me your, your daily check sheet, which was just a check sheet. So he just gave him his whole folder. Oh, man. So this guy goes through and is looking, and he's like, okay, so it's 9, 10 o'clock a.m., and your your paperwork's filled out till 7 p- or 5 p.m. So he started taking pictures, and then we heard about it. I heard about it like an hour later, and I was like, I said, bro, you're going to get fired. And he goes, oh, maybe not. <laughs> I said, bro, it's, I, I don't know. And then what happened was the next day, he told me he was going to go have a chat with HR. What he mm. didn't tell me or he forgot or because he wasn't, he's kind of a weird guy, was that it was HR in the States. So they did a video call oh. from the States. Yeah, like, get oh, clapped all the way from America. I said, you're definitely fired. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not. He said, 
What I said, I'm being real. The streets are gonna get fired, and he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Hey, you should also talk about all those young people. Uh, uh, not not even specifically from the south or wherever, but like all the young people getting that money and then fucking just blowing that shit. You remember that one chick you were telling me about that she was ordering uh like all this Louis Vuitton and all this shit and was at home and she would only just wear it when she came home every six months. Yeah. So so one thing that you'll learn in life is the more money you make doesn't mean that you're actually saving it. Most people were spending it because when yeah. I started contracting, I met guys and girls that. Again, we're truck drivers, we're whatever, which, you know, it has nothing <laughs> to do with it. Yeah, yeah. But they would go from making like two grand a month to making, you know, seven, eight thousand, you know, four times that. And guess yeah. what they would do? They would just buy crazy clothes. There was one guy I never forgot. He was an older guy, like a, say, a Texas, like a cowboy. Yeah. He shows up one day, and I didn't know him. He was from a different department, but he was a tradesman. He had these blue sunglasses on, and they were like Gucci. And I was like, what? Why do you have Gucci sunglasses? He goes, oh, I'm. We were out in Dubai and and I saw them and they were nice and so they were a six hundred dollar pair of sunglasses. Hell no, I'll stick to my Oakleys. Well, so man. guess what? No, guess what he did because he's used to it. Was guess what guys, country boys and cowboys do in their little pickups? They put their glasses in the the dashboard. Yeah. So he did that. Was telling everybody how much they cost. Puts them on the dashboard. Goes to lunch. Window rolled down. And all this because you know nobody's going to steal your vehicle. Comes back, no glasses nice he freaked out and i said they're already gone like it's probably somebody going on vacation today or the next few days and it's in the bottom of their bag and you can't <laughs> you can't go hunting through people's bags yeah Freaking idiots man so people so people would take either crazy trips one guy in fact every he was a younger guy he got he had to have been in his 20s he would this was in afghanistan every vacation he would go on like a safari hunt or a big game hunt that was his thing yeah. so he'd Yo. spend 15 grand 20 grand to like hunt whatever in africa or go to antarctica or go down to uh, australia and go do these hunts so basically every vacation or before his vacation was to save up for that vacation that's crazy yeah even tell on, like all yeah. my deployments i never spent my money on crazy things you know i'll buy like a thing here or there but yeah, but Most when, of the money, I just saved that. Junk. But when you were making money, the problem is, is that you go from making, you know, whatever money to making so much money. You think about it, you're like, every month I could literally buy a car. Yeah. Well, and then. And yeah. I was never making crazy amount of money. Like, there were guys who were making two, 300000 a year. So if you think about it, you're making something like 20000 a month. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like, uh, like some of the, the, you get a young person, especially with people that don't, especially in America, you know, we don't teach each other. Uh, we didn't get taught economics. Yeah. So it's like, there's like paycheck to paycheck people get more money. They just say, Hey, this is how much more money I could spend. Yeah. And so like Tommy, I was telling me, like I alluded to, there was this Tom told me about some lady that was from the South and she would buy like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, all this shit, have it shipped home. And then she would go home and wear it. And then she would come back and then just buy more. He's like, so you just got a bunch of shit in boxes and yeah. like you net, you wear it for like, three four weeks out of the year and she's like yeah you know it's like but and people like that they can't wear the same shit you know yeah well and the worst part was that that lady i think it was actually the lady that i told the juicy yeah yeah, yeah. not to wear the sweatsuit Mm -hmm. uh she would tell me that she would order so much stuff online that when and this is always seven so you know what like amazon still wasn't that crazy she was on ebay and all these other things she had a mail to her house and she said she would go home and realize that she bought the same thing like five times because she'd grief. buy it and then a while later you know catch her eye because it's something you like buy yeah. it the exact same thing again and again oh you should talk about that guy so 
Also, Tom's alluding to, if you're not catching, well, if you don't realize that you, you go from making 2000 a month to like eight or 10,000 a month, humans don't like to go back backwards. So then they become trapped. So there was that one dude that you said his wife kept fixing up the house. Oh yeah. He was, he was a retired army guy. I don't want to say there's a trend here, but he was an older guy and he said, he basically told me he didn't want to be there. But what happened was he was from, let's say Tennessee or, you know, somewhere where the housing, especially back then wasn't a little more affordable. Yeah. Yeah, Even now. So what he did was he, they were in their house. He paid it off. His whole goal was to go there to pay off the house. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes and pays it off. Then she's like, hey, I want to do an addition. So he, she added to the back. Then she added a second story. And then a couple years later, she's like, all right, we need a bigger house. So then she was shopping for the next house. And he's like, I said, bro, uh, you're going to no. die here. Like, <laughs> she's pushing you to death. <laughs> but, hey, and you also got to talk. These are the stories that I remember. And I'm sure Tom, because he's got a bajillion you know, memories in his head. And I hear the highlights is like that. The fact that after a certain point, um, after you pass the initial in-doc or uh, orientation physical, they really wouldn't give you a physical. Yeah. But then if you had like high blood pressure and something else, certain uh, diabetes, certain things, you would have to go back to your your state and then get cleared by your doctor months later if you had a lot of hypertension or something. Well, so so when you when you guys and girls are out doing whatever, you're you know, and your doctor says, okay, you got to be off your feet for six weeks, but yeah. two weeks later you feel fine. Guess what? You go back to work. These contractors, they're like, no, till the doctor clears you, you can't come back to work. And most of this stuff wasn't planned. So like, and they fly you back to America. Like, so you're not in country. You got to go back home and you're not getting paid when this is happening. So, Uh, and you know, most people are stupid. So they blow all their fucking money. So they need those checks. Well, and a lot of these guys, especially when I first contracted and talk about Habanilla, they were, there was like three, including my boss, there was three or four of these guys that were huge and one dude he was jamaican or dominican his mm-hmm. name was cj and he looked like the crab from uh little mermaid he'd wear this little mush hat you know the, yeah. the boonie cover hat and he had a square body he was like five six and so his hands when you shake his hands were soft because of the hypertension yeah I mean, it's high blood pressure for people. Yeah, and so he, him and any of the guys, because again, keep in mind, I'm a younger guy. They'd be like, oh, F that. I'm not going to go see the doc. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because if they, because they, the things they had to do is check your blood pressure and check your, your not even your heart, just your breathing, just yeah. a, a general test in the beginning. And as soon as they'd find high blood pressure, high percentage, they'd send you home. So these guys are like, I'm going to have to be on my deathbed before I go there. And I was, and I sat there, I was like, why would you want to die here? Like, what's, <laughs> like, what's the point? The point is to make money, not for your grave, you know? Yeah. And these guys just looked at it like that. It was, it was. Talk about that one dude that fucking tripped in the hall, almost broke his leg. <laughs> you know, you said he was walking and he fucking didn't see this hole. His leg shot in there and he fucking almost broke his leg. He was just limping for a while. Oh, I don't know. But, but he was so afraid. He was so afraid to go in. Yeah. Because you, when you go back, it's not like your doctor says, okay, after a certain amount of time, you have to get your blood pressure down. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, motherfucker, I ain't, I'm not losing weight. I'm not changing how I eat. So I'm probably never coming back. Yeah. So, so they were super shook. Yeah. So that was the fear. And I was just like, this is crazy. And then another thing besides all this is that, so this just got me personally as a mili- ex-military guy, mm-hmm. guys and girls, no lie. What you telling me? I'm like, well, how long have you been here? Oh, this is my second tour. And I'm like, Shut, Shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Yeah. This isn't a tour because you are a civilian. Yeah. And if you want to leave, you can leave at any time. Yeah. And they used to say tours and 
the older guys, you know, they would tell us in our the bomber jackets and shit, yeah, the, the fucking patch Adams jackets. <laughs> they would, they would tell us, Hey, don't stand out. You know, these are normal tactics to not get abducted. Yeah. You know, don't stand out. Don't make sure you're an American. Don't wear this. Don't do that. These guys would stand all together. They'd be wearing these no bullshit bomber jackets that had an American flag and or an Eagle on it. They would have the patches of, of every base they went to. They, so one guy, which is incredibly embarrassing, he was, they called him Sarge. And I was like, oh, is he in the, the army? And they're like, no, he was never in the service. And he preferred, he told people to call him Sarge. Gross. Uh, I'd be like, no, man. So they'd be wearing these hats. And they'd be walking around, like I said, like they're vets. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> that, that was crazy prevalent. And even to this day, people would be like, well, why are you here? Sport the troops. And I'm like, so okay, let's cut your 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 salary down to like forty grand. No, fuck that. I'm not gonna be. I said, yeah. So you're not here for the troops. You're here for the money. For the bro. money. Man. I'm here. You supporting that wallet? Yeah, I, I tell people I'm 100 percent here for that money. Yeah, you're, you're, you're supporting that. Yeah, that's what I tell people at work. Actually, I was like, I was telling Kelly, I was like, man, I'm a mega prostitute. They give me more money. I'll just go to the next job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you get you get all this stuff, and and it it's crazy. Like you get the extremes of people, and, yeah. But a lot of it, and this is no knock on people because sometimes it happens, but in most cases, like I said, they would never, they would be an executive director, let's say, mm-hmm. in Iraq or Afghanistan for five years. And they come back to the States and they're a technician. And you're <laughs> like, yeah, because as soon as they would go to a real job where they had um, things to follow, rules and regulations, they just get deleted. Or, yeah. you know, let's say, you know, you're working with me. And you find out I've been over there as a manager for five years, six years. You're like, all right, cool. All right, what's your action plan? What's your strategic thing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And that, and they're like, oh, okay. So you know, like, let's do this. And they just collapse because everything's so held up over there that everything's yeah. such in place that you really could you could slot anybody in. Yeah, in general. They, and obviously they're not uh, they're not forward thinking enough to uh say well let me take this time to learn some shit let me let me get an education let's do all this stuff that's what i would do man yeah of course but it's like i mean easy you know easy money and then you're just like well i'm going back to that dairy queen (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's with my half million dollar house i didn't pay up yeah that's crazy so so i i always tell people that i said just get uh, some sort of education or better Mm. yourself some kind of way. Like I'm close to finishing my master's and it was because I was like, I got to do something. I'm just hanging out here watching YouTube, watching no Russian twerk videos for, you know, 20 hours a day. I'm almost blind, but (laughs) Hey, speaking of blue light, speaking of which uh, you should talk about all those uh, old dudes meeting. And you, you met this like the whole time in contracting. There'd be this old 60 year old dude. Like, Hey, uh, here you want to see a picture of my girlfriend? She's like a 20 year old Filipino. Yep, Filipino Thailand. And Philippines, if, Thailand, that's the... Uh, man, the how often did it turn out to be she-boys? Almost never, actually. But <laughs> what... No, because these guys would meet them, and then they'd go uh, over there and marry them, and then they would support them, which to me, it was, you know, it's whatever. It's, tip for tip, really. Yeah, it's however you want it. Oh, yeah, you were just in a wedding recently. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, I was... <laughs> shout out to Scott and Gina. They were... <laughs> they got married on base. Oh, damn. Base yeah. weddings at the chapel. <laughs> No, there's no chapel. They got married at the. Oh, uh, this is a contract. They, they, they got married yeah. at the wing stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got married at um in a, one of the rooms, and we showed up, and then uh, Baghdadi's and ba- Bagram is the bar slash like events area. Yeah. And so then that was the uh, that was the reception. That's cool. It was pretty smooth. I mean, 
But people definitely find their their long lost loves over you know contracting because a lot of these older guys can't they can't pull nothing and then they just go to these countries and you know make it happen. But bro, you should talk about that one dude when you went to the uh, you went to you went to the Philippines right and uh, on vacation and you were visiting that one dude. He was he was married and then his like he was building a house with his like ingrained doors and then the neighbor was some old dude. You should talk about that because that was super real. So the I didn't know the guy. It wasn't his neighbor. What what happened was I was working with this guy, which again shows you, outlines you the contracting world. I was the foreman, the power plant foreman at Leatherneck. And this other guy, uh, I forgot, I think his name was uh Larry or Lenny or something. And he he was he'd worked in in Alaska, Chugach, and uh-huh. he was working as a contractor there, but it got okay. too cold for him. He was forty five. <laughs> And he had like a, almost a club foot, like his foot was curling in. Yeah, it was weird. He kind of limped. And what happened was he told me he'd met his girlfriend. He married her, Filipino girl. She was like, he was 45 then. She was like 23. <laughs> and I'm like, so he started telling me more about her as I got to know him. Mm-hmm. He's telling me how he, they've been together for like six years. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to ask questions about that. And <laughs> so I went to the Philippines to visit him. Right. I went there, I'd gone over to North Subic, I went south, and I went and saw some places. Well, I went over to Cebu, Cebu City, the mm-hmm. Cebu Islands, where I went to visit him. And he's like, I said, do you need to know my flight? He's like, no, we'll come get you. And I'm like, are you sure? He goes, yeah. I said, well, how will you know? He goes, oh, don't worry, I'll know. And the reason why was because it was a little runway, it's a little island, mm-hmm. and you fly in, and there's only one flight at a time, and there was an outside carousel one yes that was it so like when you, you come off the flight you just go on the tarmac walk straight to it like 100 yards and there's the, the turnaround <laughs> where did oh, you see wow. the donkey dropping it off yeah, <laughs> pretty much and so i went to their house and he was doing a smart thing him and his wife had two two he had two sons mm-hmm. and they had like a long rectangular like a like a straight line shotgun almost like plot land of plot yeah mm-hmm. from yeah. the road to the ocean and they had their the house right off the street looked blown out and it was like older. It looked yeah. like a movie set. That was the grandparents' house. Hundred yards behind that was the parents' house. So the pig pen. Hundred yards behind that was their house they were building. Oh wow! And so every month he got paid, he would just put cash and have them built. So he was building it as he went. So by the time it was done, it'd be paid for. Oh okay. yeah. So she was super cool. She. Her English was, was rough. So <laughs> don't she, think homie uh, learned Tagalog. <laughs> Fuck that noise. No, he didn't. So <laughs> the guy Wes is talking about is it was his buddy. He was telling me about that. He was an old retired Navy guy that was an alcoholic and there it is. poop all over himself. <laughs> yup. He just, you know, released the, released the hounds. And in fact, <laughs> so, released the crackers. So he had a girlfriend that was like 20 something. She'd take care of him. And then they tried to hire a maid. And the first time she'd seen like the poop trail, she quit like instantly tells you something and yeah so then so the one was hanging yeah. out with him and he was telling him he was going to give her his retirement but what she didn't know is he was married back in the states so then but they had been separated but mm. once he dies his money would go to her like, yeah yikes but That's the cost nice. of living is crazy low it was nice. i know right that's how real it gets i guess but that guy when he worked at chugach and this i'm kind of running into it now but in a power plant uh-huh. if you're an operator which is what i am you just operate you just look at the the instruments. Yeah, the panels and That's lights. That's it. You're huh. not a mechanic. Huh. So when he came to Leatherneck, you know, I'm over here. I'm a mechanic. Yeah. He calls me. I'm, you know, I'm the, I was on night shift because my buddy, Jeremy, wanted to be on days. And I was like, I don't care. I'll be nights. And so I just sat there. 
Well, he calls me after I, I'm asleep for a couple hours. And I'm like, okay, well, let me go. Let me go check it out. And I said, well, what have you done? And he's just standing next to it. He's like, oh, uh, nothing. And I said, wait, what do you mean nothing? And he goes, oh, I'm an operator. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm just an operator. I said, I don't I still don't understand what you're saying. And he goes, oh, well, I'm an operator. I just look at the instruments. I don't work on it. I'm not a mechanic. And I said, no, no, no. Your job says you're a power plant mechanic. It doesn't say operator and all because the designators weren't there. It was just right. power plant mechanic, foreman, whatever. I said, if you call me and you don't work fix on it, you won't be working here. I said, this, that's like, I'm not going to come here to fix it. And you're not an operator, you're a mechanic. And that was the first time I dealt with it. And uh-huh. I didn't know it, but that's apparently how it goes. If you work in power plants generally, uh, that's crazy. You could be the yeah. operator, you could be the middle guy, whatever, but it's separated like that. So if you're an operator, you literally just watch stuff. And when stuff goes down, you just kind of like try to get it back up, but that's it. Hmm. No troubleshooting or and dream job. No, they <laughs> don't. Know, yeah. Real, right? And that, so he didn't know anything. And I was just like, how do you not know anything? Like it was, it was really weird. And there was a guy that worked for me and him and that guy, keep in mind, they're both older men. The one mm-hmm. dude limps. And then the other guy was just an older guy from like South Carolina. He had, he was kind of like a Weasley guy and they woke me up again. So that he said, cause he said he was going to pr- try to press charges. I said, you're not in America. So because <laughs> The guy, his name was Joe. That was, that was the guy's name. The, okay. the Filipino guy, Filipino wife guy. And he said, I'm going to beat your ass. And then the guy tried to call the MPs like we were back in the States. And I said, and they called me. And I went there and I said, are you serious? <laughs> I said, you're, he's not like a big guy. He's not threatening in any kind of way. He limps and you're, you know, whatever. Like what, what's happening? And he goes, well, you know, this bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Well, then these, uh, there was a Saudi company mm-hmm. that was on base too. It was like a few streets down. They'd come by and they're asking for parts. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't give you just parts, you know, for no reason. Mm-hmm. Well, then my buddy was telling me, oh, hey, he's talking to him. I said, all right, well, he said he might take off. I said, God, I hope so. <laughs> so then he does. He ended up quitting one day and then because he gave us his song and dance like oh i've done this for 20 years i've done this i've done that and when it came down to it he didn't he would never prove anything uh so he only worked there for god like not even a month wait so the spot open when you hooked me up <laughs> fuck's happening bro oh so he's he's trying to trying to feign it but i used to tell him all the time to apply and he never stayed. no i did i actually did apply i've, I've yeah. applied a bunch but hey so anyway uh yolo so anyway uh for real right that guy left and went to the Saudi company and they promised him whatever money, which, yeah. you, which you don't know what I hear from uh, the foreign national guys, Indians, uh, Kenyans, Africans, yeah. is that the Saudi guys like to hire you, but they don't like to pay you. <laughs> That's Damn. Not right. They'll, Did, pay, they'll pay you for like two months and then, oh, next month, oh, we can't Sounds like it. a former president, right? <laughs> I mean, I, just kidding, bro. So, uh, so he goes over there. Not, and they both hoodwinked each other. They thought they were hiring an actual tech. He Fucking wasn't. Uno reverse good yeah. twice. <laughs> and he thought that they were going to pay him, and they didn't. So <laughs> so this guy leaves, right? Yeah. He ends up quitting by putting his... He didn't even go tell our boss or whoever I was working with, this guy named... Um, I forgot his name, but he was a, a <laughs> foreman. That And this is... I'll, t- I'll tell you about him in a second. He just, he didn't tell him anything. He just left his badge on his desk when he wasn't there and just took off. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know. Well, then a week or two later, the Saudi guys show up and they're like, hey, have you seen this guy? And I'm like, 
no, we quit to work for you. And they were like, oh, no, uh, uh, we haven't heard from him. And I said, well, he didn't quit, you know, as a stand-up guy here. Let me, let me guess. Why don't you just check the airport? We'll see if he's there. And no shit. What he did was he drove after he got into it with him. He drove straight to the airport in Leatherneck, manifested himself out, left the keys in the car, and took off. Oh. So he never even quit. He just took off. Yes. So he, he was there for maybe two months. But but my he wasn't my boss. I worked with him. But he was the power gen foreman. Mm-hmm. And he would come in, and he would tell his bosses to go screw themselves. He was he was a huge Buckeyes fan. Yeah. And if the ga- the game would show for us while we're over there, it'd be early in the morning. If they won, he'd come into work. If they didn't, he wouldn't come wow. in that day. And he was like crazy. He didn't know how to type. He didn't know how to set anything up. His his Filipino counterpart did like ninety percent of his work. He got promoted. <laughs> he ended up being the um, the northern Afghanistan. Uh, regional manager, director. What? Yeah. Damn, was he a Republican? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about uh, right. Abs- right. Absolutely was. Oh, shit. Uh, absolutely. But. No, I don't, but anyway. <laughs> he was, he did that job for like five years. Man, it sounds like I need to go work for these guys. Yeah, so co- so just, just contract. I mean, it was, it, it was, yeah, but anyway, yeah. I'm, you know, trying to paint a bad face, but in general, they're pretty nice. It's yeah. it's a good job. No, yeah. It's good opportunities. The issue is that again is <laughs> George like I ain't got nobody. I'm fucking well, yeah. Like, yeah. No wife, no kids. I'm good to go. Bam. <laughs> you do in the Philippines. So the uh, <laughs> what what I, you know saying is when Iraq was huge, jobs were plentiful. Yeah. Then when Iraq slimmed down, then everybody went to Afghanistan. And now and then, it's coming then back. Then Iraq opened back up. Now <laughs> there's only like I think six bases. What do you yeah. say in the military? New hotness. Yeah, and then and then when Afghanistan closed mm-hmm. i told everybody i said this the contracts are going to get to slim pickings and that's kind of what it is now everybody's rushing off to africa to work there maybe yeah. they're backfilling up in kosovo to you know mm-hmm. support the troops so <laughs> they're no less than a hundred thousand a year yes yeah. this, this is the sad part they're not even making close to that what so there's guys over there making nothing and i'll, I'll look at them and be like are you serious? Nick? Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm here to make money. And I'm like, are you though? <laughs> One guy told me, and he was making probably 40% of what I made, what I make now. Holy and I was crap. like, what? And, and that's prevalent. Like right now, you're going to definitely make way under a hundred grand to go to like Africa and these certain places. And not to say Africa is horrendous. It's just the bases you're on are tiny or they're really remote or, you know, your living conditions are going to be great. George used yeah. to that. Fuck it. He's good. He'll support the troops. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll support the troops. So, that, so, nah, hell no. So, what I, so what I, where I work now is phenomenal. It is like, it's great. I love it. Well, what, it's an what, embassy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. What, what's that company name again? <laughs> it's Pimento. It's a Mento. Pimento. Yeah. It's Mentos. And the, uh, <laughs> and so you can look for jobs there. And like I said, KBR is still hiring. Dynacorp, which is now Momentum, so it's all Momentum. Or you can look like General Dynamics. You can look yeah. at Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. Yeah, BAE um, Systems was another one that I was looking yeah, at. BAE. There was and there's weird offshoots. In fact, when I was when I was still in Afghanistan in 2020, I got hired at a company called DataPath, and that uh-huh. was making pretty good money flying around fixing HVAC and generators for mobile um, mobile towers. Yeah, for the internet for all these com- for whoever. All over the world. Wow. Yeah. Pretty interesting. 
Sounds like uh, we need to talk offline. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's all, there's still opportunities. You just got to find them because even yeah. when I went to Saudi Arabia, we were part of it was it was a different contract, a new contract for mm. the power plant. So we were making like double what everybody else was making on the base with barring management. Yeah. Man. So you could find good stuff. And one thing that I I I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a generator mechanic. And then yeah. as I kept doing it for most of my life and in maintenance mm-hmm. in general, is that that's one of the jobs that's always needed. You can oh, always yeah. make money. You always need power. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always tell people, I'm like, just get good at it and you'll, or even decent and you're, you're good. Yeah. Cause it, it's, you can, you can be in human resources. You can be an admin. You could be whatever. Guess what? They can make that mobile. They could outsource it to different companies. They could outsource to different countries. They can't outsource mechanics. That labor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, I've been a diesel mechanic for over 20 years, so I might know a thing or two. I mean, I'm sure generators have like magnetos and stators and stuff like that. You know what I mean? They've got flux capacitors. Flux capacitors, (laughs) yeah. How many many gigawatts, though? I know, right? I'm sure I can figure that stuff out. (laughs) 1.21. Yeah, right. Well, that's the the part that's strange is now that I'm in the power plant here, I got into it or got into a, a conversation. Because some of these guys, they they work at these jobs mm-hmm. and they stay there for like ten or fifteen years. So this is the bulk of their uh, experience, experience yeah. overseas. The foreign guy, foreign yeah. nationals. And so he was telling me how it was, and I was like, "This is crazy." So like to work on a generator, there the mechanics work on the mechanical side. They have to call an electrician or an engineer to work on the electrical side to even troubleshoot it. And I was yes. like, "Wait, what?" what? That's crazy. They're like, no, that that makes sense. You're gonna have a, a mechanic and an electrician in as a team. And I was like, you should have said, how about those two people team up in one human? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's what I told him. I said, I've only worked at jobs. This is the only place, the power plant, because it made sense that that's what it branched off was the power plant, right? But even in the plant, you have the mechanics doing the mechanical side. Like you'd be a perfect candidate. You'd be a mechanic, but what? then if you do the generator side, that's the electrician. Huh. I said, get out of here. Like, no, they did show like that in the Navy, actually, where they were like, hey, the mechanics, the mechs, they work on the uh, the engines, but anything with electricity is the avionics electricians, the AEs. And it was a bitch because they're like, well, technically, this isn't our system. Any system that was all fucked up, they're like, oh, this isn't our system. It's got power. We're like, bitch, everything has power on that jet. So what are you talking about? Yeah. So that's so that's how it is there. So you could, you'd be a perfect candidate to be the mechanic. It's pretty crazy, right? Because the engines themselves are caterpillars. They're big, big engines, but basically they're just big caterpillars. If you work on like tractors or heavy equipment, motor T, same engines. Yep. That's pretty cool. There we go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Take a vacation. You know, (laughs) say. All right. Well, it's been almost an hour, 50 minutes, so we got (laughs) to get rolling. But uh, yeah, there's some fun stories and pretty awesome. And uh, Tom's only here for another, what, two weeks, three weeks? Uh, Till the end of June. Yeah, so oh wow, okay. Yeah, you still got some time, but yeah, still got a couple three weeks, yeah. Yeah. But uh we'll see. We can't we can't keep hogging all your time, you know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> got people to do and things to see, right? Yeah, right. And then, well, and then there's a whole bunch. I saw Andrew this morning. Uh, I see him every morning because I leave at six AM and he's rolling in. Uh, <laughs> SpongeBob Squarehead, but <laughs> we used to call him Lego Head. Yeah, <laughs> for real. All right, yeah, I'll get going. Uh it's pretty fun. All right, man. Good having you back on. Don't forget, drink water, drive on, right? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it.